Today's gospel is Matthew chapter 10 and will serve as the basis for the sermon today. Jesus gives instructions to his disciples. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The Gospel of the Lord. Beloved in the Lord, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all people are created equal. You recognize those words. We hold. I want you to zoom in on those first two. We hold. People held on to truth. We talk about like staking a position, almost like if you were to visualize a, a battlefield sort of approach that people, people want to hold their position. And we have that same mentality about truths, that there are truths. We hold these truths to be self-evident. And I want you to think of those words when you, when you heard earlier from Romans chapter 3. We got to the last verse as Paul was talking about the fullness of the law really means our sin. And the fullness of the gospel means our righteousness. And when those two are done, we've got something to hold. We have a position to stand on that's not self-evident truth. But it's revealed, he says. It's been made known. The law, the prophets have always testified a righteousness that has come from God. We're going to hold to this. And so he actually uses those words in the last verse, do you remember? For, so we maintain that a person is justified by faith. It's in Christ and not by the works of the law. We maintain, just as people have given their lives they have died for this. Would you die for this? They have died for those truths they hold as self-evident. So also people have given their lives in death, maintaining the truth of Scripture. It really is an astounding thing. Daniel is not the only one to endure a lion's den or his friends, the flames of a fiery furnace, because of what they maintained and the position they held. 
it's a striking thing. And I, I think it's one of those like realistic moments. I had a hard time falling asleep a little bit last night. I did sleep pretty well, but in the end, and I had an extra hour to do it. But I had those one, just one of those thoughts, just thinking about what the Reformation meant as this return to the gospel, a sort of like um, cleaning up the house for the sake of the pure word that I am convinced that we maintain and we get to hold on to because of it. And it kept me up because you just think to yourself, somebody was burned at the stake for this. People were imprisoned for this. And that wasn't the abnormal thing necessarily. There was once a Jesus who looked into his disciples' eyes as surely as I'm looking into yours and said, guess what? I am sending you out. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Does that sound like a survival moment for you? You know, where the shepherd says, I'm opening up the gate, okay? And here we go, scoot, scoot. Don't be bashful. Be courageous about this. Get out of the pen. Here we go. Look at all those hungry wolves outside. Can't you, can't you wait to be in their company? And you see the disciples' knees shake a little bit and their faces flush pale. Just a couple of verses before that, Matthew chapter 10, verse 6. Jesus said, I am sending you. But the sentence finished a little differently. He said, I am sending you to the lost sheep of Israel. Now there's, now there's tension, isn't it? Who is outside that pen? How do I view them? And this is where Jesus had shared a bit of his shepherd's heart with them. How does he view people inside the sheepfold and those outside of it. He views them all as his. And he, in the sense of wanting all people to be saved, in the sense of the Jesus who wept over Jerusalem and said, how I've longed to gather you as a hen would gather you as like a chick, like chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He longs for those outside the pen. He calls them lost sheep. He calls them, they can get wolfish, okay? Get wolfish. Later on, he says, they'll be like wolves. They can be like wolves to you. But they are my lost sheep. And that means something to me that you would stand up and not be intimidated if you're in front of a king or in front of a prince or a council or a synagogue ruler or anybody you'd get in front of my first century disciple. But that you would hold your position. That you would maintain something in that moment and not buckle to save your skin but say the words that save souls. Now we're in the thick of it, aren't we? Now we're really getting somewhere when we're talking about a, a purpose and a mission and the blessing of the opportunity that stands in front of the church generation upon generation that we have the chance to hold out a word of God to people that don't know it, to be strengthened ourselves in it, growing in it, and reaching the lost sheep wolves with the truth of the gospel. Jesus says, today's the day. 
just like any, just like any day, just like any generation, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Be on your guard, he said. This is what's going to happen to you. And Jesus gave them a little bit of a forecast. So his words in this section apply to first century Judean ministry, right? They, were, they had a mission and it had a, like a time limit to it because he said, you're not even, did you remember the last verse? He, you won't even finish going through the towns of Israel before judgment is going to come on this place. And 70 AD, by that time, the Romans were thick and heavy around the walls of Jerusalem to bring them tumbling down. And that's exactly what took place, the siege of a Roman army. And Jesus, Jesus said this is going to happen in your lifetime. So take a deep breath and get busy. And if they persecute you in one place, you know, pack up your stuff and move to another because this is going to go quick. And it's a serious word. We need to save souls. Do you hear the urgency in that? Plus, it was limited in scope. I've sent you to the lost sheep of Israel. This God had sent these first apostles to their brothers and sisters among the Jews uh, as a nation first before the gospel would go out among the other nations. Really, some of that would handle what happened simultaneously but this group, this group was given their mission field and their, their duration was, they were notified this was not going to be very long before judgment was coming around here. And so go get out there. The wolves need you. Go little sheep, the wolves need you. It's weird to think like that, but this is what Jesus was saying. Well, what does he say to us today? There's no doubt that the spirit that put faith in your heart and the words we get to maintain because God says so in his own word have given us an opportunity to be spokesmen just as much as they were, to be those who go out like sheep among wolves in a world that hasn't changed very much. He tells us to be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. He tells us to think about the plans that we can make and the opportunities that are there, that you get your committees and your council together as a congregation. You put your heads together and look for what opportunities are there to reach the lost. If we can't knock on doors, what can we do? If we can't be within six feet of somebody, how can we still touch their hearts? How can we still show Jesus love? Make your plans, be shrewd like snakes and, and, and get out there. And yet innocent as doves. I'm not here, I'm here as a sheep. I'm not here to be a wolf in your life and to just devour you if you disagree with me because I stand on the word of God and, and I'm just going to pounce on you if you don't. No, I'm, we're, we're loving and, and warm and winsome and, and that is the way as we go about this innocent like doves and we make our plans and we'll deal with consequences. And Jesus kind of prepares us that there might be some of those. You might be standing before someone I give thanks that I know, at least right now, I can preach every truth of Scripture. I can be faithful to every part as a pastor in this place, to the Word of God. It can come out my lips. It can go out on Facebook. It can go out on YouTube, and somebody else can watch it. And I don't, I don't expect to see red and blue lights coming into the church parking lot to arrest me. That's where things stand right now. I don't expect that. I have the freedom to declare the whole counsel of God in this place and not pull any punches or any promises 
and to say them all in the name of the Lord. And that is a blessing. That is an answer to prayer when we pray for peace and quietness, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago. But I also know that there are other forms of persecution besides imprisonment or death. There are other lions, dens, and fiery furnaces. And Jesus was aware of those too. He talks about brother betraying brother and a father, a child, children rebelling against their parents and putting them to death. He talks about when, when these things, these, these heated issues can come up among families and threaten to pull them apart. And I, I say them to you because if there's an idol in your heart with family or the, the eyeballs that you get to see, the people that you get to spend life with, if there's a tension there when it comes to faith, that there's also a temptation built in that tension. The temptation to live and let live. The temptation to, to tolerate things. To, to kind of give up a we maintain because the idol in my hand is the idol of family or friendship. And that's something serious too. There's also the, the real reality that the world has not changed from first century AD. It's still fallen, it's still broken, and it's still sinful. And there are going to be people who don't like what the Bible has to say and don't like the people who say it. And that's a cultural pressure. There could be social pressures. There's other things that mean you shouldn't be so vocal. You shouldn't be so adamant. Why are you splitting hair, doctrinal hairs as if your life depended on it? That's not normal. And in the name of love, which we learned from last week isn't really love, you should let go of some of those things you maintain so fiercely. We return to our question. Would you die for this? Such, such words to think about. To put it right all in front of your face. Would you die for this? If you're like me, you know that there are plenty of times with fear and failings that I've, I know I've missed opportunities. Even simple ones where an act of love or friendship, I could have explained some of the reason, you know, this is really why I do this. I could have found some moment in there in a, in a relationship that is well-established, especially someone who knows me well, and yet I've never really talked about my Christianity and what that means. You think about those kinds of moments. Is that, is that just because it's not culturally fitting? Is, that just, is it supposed to be taboo? Is it supposed to be off the table? This isn't what we talk about on the street. I'm sorry, we don't ever go there. Is it one of those so subtle pressures? It's not the same kind of persecution, I get that, but it's still there. And it still makes me wonder what it would be like for me to have been a sheep, unafraid, unafraid of any wolf. And when I run from my failings and I flee back to my Jesus whom I wish to serve with heart and soul and mind, there's a word that catches my fall. And there's a word of God that saves me from me. 
so that even if I can't save my own skin, and even though I don't want to, there's a word that ultimately rules this day and this life and this me. And that's what we maintain as that I, the sinner, have a place to go in Scripture that saves me, the sinner. It doesn't save me, the one who made the right choice, but the wrong choice. It doesn't save me, who did the right thing, but who did the wrong thing. I go running to this Jesus, and that's the word I will die for. There are other things I'm sure I would put my life on the line at certain moments to save someone else's physical life. But let, let's understand this together. Let's find some mutual common ground in the idea that there is a territory I always want to make sure is well protected and passed on to the next generation. And that's that somebody somewhere, if I can have any part of it, would know that in Jesus is the gift of righteousness from God that is, that is not by our doing, that is not by my climbing the ladder to get closer to God where he can reach me, but the fact that he has reached sinner me, that he has come down to make the dead alive, and that he has come with a gift in his hands for somebody who has nothing to give back, nor could I ever give anything back that would be considered worthy in God's eyes. All those laws and commands only make me conscious of my sinfulness, but there is a gospel truth that I hope will always be present in this world, and I will die for this, if need be, that this word would be preached in the name of Jesus, the free and full forgiveness of sins, the sacrifice that was made on the cross that atoned for my blood, my sins, and yours. I will fight so my kids don't just get saved from a, a bus that's going to plow them over, but that their souls could be saved from the evil one. I will die for that. Let's not be mistaken. The Reformation was God gifting something important, maintaining something important in the mouths of church members, that they would continue to be a group wherever they were, scattered as they may be by persecution, they would continue to be a group with mouths that knew what to say, given to them by the Spirit of the Father, that had a testimony to give in the presence of all people and something to share. And that Reformation is alive and well as long as God is alive and well and, and still giving his Spirit as he has to us. So our, my prayer for you is that we not become a people so rubbed off by the culture and society around us that we forget what it's like to study the scriptures, that we have as many family devotions in our homes as pagan neighbors next door who don't believe in God, but that we would invest in the word as our treasure so we have something to pass on. We know what we maintain and what we believe because this is how God saves through the proclamation of his sheep servants among the wolves. Will you die for this? Absolutely. Especially when it's the only this there is. Amen.
and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard and keep you through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.